0: Join the guild and secure your ticket to Scott's sale at the best possible price by visiting maxlotevents.com.
1: The whole purpose of what we're talking about is not necessarily books as a mechanism or not necessarily podcasts as a mechanism or the mechanism is separate from the desire and the desire is to help people get the answers. And whether that's in a marketing context or in an immigration context or a uh, divorce context, Being the person to provide the answers in a way that positions it from the the recipient's point of view, being as helpful as you possibly can, that's the way to differentiate yourself from everyone else.
2: Run your law firm the right way. way. This is the Maximum Liar Podcast. Maximum Liar Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up. ...and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. I'm Jim Hacking.
3: And I'm Tyson Mutrix. Jimmy, we got a pretty awesome guest today. You want to talk about it?
2: Yeah, so our guest today is Stuart Bell. He's one of the co-founders of 90minutebooks.com. 90-minute books is a process that Stuart's going to explain to us that allows someone to get a book produced professionally, pretty quickly and it's a, it's a very nice process. We'll talk about how it works and about myself participating in that program several times now. Stewart has a tremendous amount of marketing and operational experience. He helped take the 90-minute books from an idea to an organization that has helped over now 250 business owners and entrepreneurs create their greatest lead generation tool. He works closely with the 90-minute book team and clients to create simple, friction-free ways of getting the message in front of your potential clients. Stuart focuses on speaking with business owners to maximize the potential of their book and develop their products and processes to support these outcomes. Stuart, welcome to the show.
1: Hey there, guys. It's great to be here.
3: Stuart, can you tell us a little bit about just what you do with 90-Minute Books? And we'll get into the process in a little bit. But really, just tell us about what you do.
1: Yeah, so my role is more on the operational side. So myself and Dean Jackson, we co-founded the company. It was actually spun off from a product that we were providing as part of Dean's main company. So that's more of a marketing organization. We specialize there helping entrepreneurs. And we have a separate real estate business helping realtors on their marketing business so dean i'm not sure whether the guys listening to this have come across dean jackson before but uh very big presence in the in the marketing world very well known so the product that we were offering there came from just creating books for our own use so books as a as a mechanism as a way of engaging customers have a couple of unique things about them that make them more attractive as lead generation pieces as ways to engage customers. So that was something we'd identified internally. Spinning the product then off into a separate company and creating 90-minute books as a standalone organization, the main challenge was scaling what was pretty much an internal team doing things on our own time frame within our own parameters and really scaling it into something that was more operationally focused, more scalable, could engage with people who were coming on board, not necessarily knowing all of the ins and outs of the way that we worked. So really looking at onboarding and putting systems in place to, as Jim says, try and get these out into the marketplace as fast as possible whilst maintaining the, the level of quality, which means it's a it's a great end product, all the time kind of helping people just keep moving forward. I think the one of the main benefits of, of speed is that it's very easy to get caught up in the process of doing something. So I'm guessing it's the same with you guys. If you're looking at entering a new marketplace, or there's a new piece of law that comes on the books, or a change that's that's quite that makes the the process of doing something quite different, it's so easy to get caught up in the details of it, and you could quite easily lose six to twelve months just planning how you could get this product to market, get this new service to market, rather than actually going out there and testing with a good version one, and then iterating on that afterwards. So have done a lot of great work over the last couple of years of really dialing in this process, So, as much as possible, trying to make it streamlined for people to come on board with the idea. We help bring that idea out, give it the marketing focus that it needs to be an effective lead generation tool, which is really where we focus, and create that for people and really help them start some conversations.
2: Stuart, it's funny that you mentioned that people on the listening to the podcast might not have heard of Dean Jackson because I think I mention him on every single episode. <laughs> how, how did you and Dean get connected in the first place and how did you start working together?
1: I'll tell you what, it's... Um six degrees of Kevin Bacon. It's It's the real small links that just everything came together at the right time. So my background is in IT operations, IT service management and service transition. So my kind of corporate background is working for large financial institutions in the UK. About six or seven years ago, actually, I'm sure my age, maybe a little bit more than that, seven or eight years ago, um, started becoming more and more interested in marketing and mainly online marketing because it was a nice crossover between the engaging people, which is something that even in the operational background, the, the kind of corporate background, a lot of the work we did was really engaging stakeholders and making sure that everyone was on the same page, more so than the technical side of things specifically. but. Internet marketing, although the, the term is a little bit toxic in some environments, but still it was a nice crossover between that using technology as a way to engage people. So there was a couple of links through various different groups. Um, I'm not sure if you've ever mentioned, or actually maybe you don't even know, Ed Dale out of Australia um, is a, a Dean's Australian equivalent, if you like. Very big marketing presence there, and you Dean, um, sorry, and you Ed quite well from being active in his community. Again, really trying to help people in that. Uh, that environment as much as possible. And then the Isle of Marketing podcast started, which if you've mentioned Dean on the show before, I'm sure you've mentioned the Isle of Marketing podcast. They then had a their first conference was in Phoenix in 2010, I think, which was about the same time that I was leaving the corporate environment to start my own marketing company in the UK. I met Dean then. I was pretty active in starting the Isle of Marketing meetup group in London and then the second conference was the following year by that time i'd left the corporate world was working by myself dean three changes in his organization needed some more kind of operational support someone to step in i had more of a marketing background then was very involved in their ideas so just it it just gelled i mean really a case of i don't necessarily want to say being in the right place at the right time but definitely the universe kind of aligned to to bring us in each other's sphere of influence at the, at the same time, and then just went from there, really. The Isle of Marketing meetup story is actually quite interesting. I can remember missing an episode of the show where they were talking about it and catching up the following week and then thinking to myself, ah, oh, I've missed the opportunity. Someone else is bound to have done this. So I can remember rushing on to meet up and, and seeing if anyone else had started that group, and and no one had, so I had the opportunity to, to get that group started. But it was, and the same with Ed Dale's environment, the community that they had there that was an online community and although i was coming to it as an outsider it was very very easy to rise to the top just by helping people and this is even within a group i mean you guys must must see the same in the maximum lawyer environment it's surprisingly easy to to this up and be helpful to people. If nothing else, just having two screens in front of you and on one screen, someone's asking questions in a forum. And on the screen next to you, you just Google in for answers. So um, my nature is quite, uh, I like finding the answers to things. It's that kind of discovery process is quite interesting. So to begin with, I wasn't in this any intent. It was just, oh, I don't know the answer to that. I'll see if I can find it. And then providing the answer back. But it's surprising how quickly you can step up. So I think anyone listening to this the whole purpose of what we're talking about is not necessarily books as a mechanism or not necessarily podcasts as a mechanism or the mechanism is separate from the desire and the desire is to help people get the answers and whether that's in a marketing context or in an immigration context or a, a divorce context being the person to provide the answers in a way that positions it from the the recipient's point of view being as helpful as you possibly can that's the way to differentiate yourself from everyone else. It's easy to do, particularly because the actual information, the actual answers tend to all be out there these days. But adding an opinion to it, collating that information together to provide the information, really adding value to the people asking the questions, that's a fantastic way to build the audience. And if you can then marry that up with a service you can provide or group these people together by kind of leveraging that value and kind of the synergistic approach of just piling on the value by answering more relevant questions in that group, it's a really great way of of bringing together that audience, people who are likely to turn out to be customers because it's that target audience that you're talking to. But it's very easy to stand up above the crowd, um, differentiate from the crowd just by being that person that provides value. Sorry, that was the short answer.
3: <laughs> no, that was perfect. That was perfect. All right, Stuart, so I want to dive into the process because I know you've got a lot of great takeaways. But we you talk about the process, but before you do, I've got the biggest question I think everyone's going to have on their minds is, does it really take 90 minutes?
1: <laughs> so this is the great thing as well. So it's 90 minutes of your time. So the the benefit of being able to leverage someone else's skills and the the fact that they've gone through it before and, and on their end or on our end in this case can can shorten that time frame. The real benefit is then that you guys can concentrate on just bringing to the table what you bring and that is the, the knowledge and information and experience that you've got. So our whole process is really trying to maximise everyone's um, unique ability. So the technical steps that are needed to set it all up isn't the the unique ability of, of people wanting to write the their unique ability of the information. So we split it out into two main steps, which is where the name comes from. So there's a 30-minute stage, which is really the outlining and the bringing together of the ideas. And then there's a 60-minute stage, which is the recording of the content, which is how we do the content capture. 60 minutes usually correlates to about, depending on how fast you talk, I'm consciously trying to slow myself down because I know that my accent is a little different for some people's ears and I talk fast. So uh, 60 minutes or so tends to translate into about 40 to 50 pages of a five by eight book. So if you've got a, a piece of paper in front, of you fold that in half, and that is about the size of the books that we create, five by eight. It's a relatively standard size. An hour's worth of content in that works on a couple of levels. So The book itself is usually then has enough pages and it's weighty enough to to seem like a book. So this isn't just a long form article that we're suggesting that people write. It isn't like a a booklet. This is a perfect bound book. The right dimensions so that people are are likely to pick something up and, and see it as valuable the time constraint of 60 minutes then is also valuable because people's attention the readability numbers that are out there for books it's a very small proportion of people who buy a book who actually then read the whole thing and certainly for me i mean it's even worse now in the in the e-reader world because at least when i was buying physical books i've got the kind of the guilt of them being sat on the shelf behind me that expecting me to read them at some point the ebooks that i buy they disappear into the ether and I never, <laughs> never even see those. But 60 minutes as a constraint for content does a couple of things. One, it's pretty easy for you to record 60 minutes worth of content on a subject that adds the value without going into kind of waffle and, and just fill in for the sake of filling. It's also good because it puts a constraint around it and then you can't get too sidetracked on all of the other things that could be included. Because there's always more that you could say, but keeping something focused is is the best way of answering one particular question and leading people to an obvious next step. So an important differentiator between the 90-minute book and, and, a, and a fiction book or, or what people might traditionally be thinking of when they're thinking about writing a book is that specificity. So. In the 30-minute call, the setup, what we aim to do is get people dialed in on the one question that they're trying to answer. So rather than being too broad and being too many things to too many people, what we suggest is that answering one question allows you to target that one specific group and create something in a relatively straightforward way without too much overhead for either you writing it or the person reading it to allow someone to raise their hand as interested in that subject read an amount of content that answers that one particular question as comprehensively as possible so really adding value and then give someone a clear next step what to do next because quite often what we find is the biggest challenge that people have is that they've got too many ideas they could write on too many subjects, or they say that uh, well anyone could be a sub anyone could be a reader because we offer legal services to these five different areas, so any of those we could take anyone and the problem always with trying to take anyone is that you're not you're not targeting any one particular person you're just trying to broadcast some stuff and it, and it all gets very challenging, and that's oftentimes why people never get around to it because with the best intentions, it becomes too much of an overhead. There's always there's always too many opportunities or it could be this and it could be this and it could be this. So the 30-minute call to begin with is really about dialing that in and being specific to this single target market. So, Jim, I'm not sure whether you've – the A Profit activators come up on the show before?
2: Oh, yeah, we talk about them all the time.
1: Okay, perfect. That's great. It makes my job a lot more easy then because a lot of what I'll say is in context of things that you've already heard. So that model of selecting a single target market, not the exclusion of everything else, but selecting a single target market for this particular campaign, that is the key to the whole rest of the process because a lot of the problems that people get in the broader broadcast type advertising world is that issue of it not being specific, people get ad-blind to this kind of generic copy that they just see going through in the background, whether it's in a magazine or whether it's on a Facebook feed or whether it's in an email, the kind of non-specific blurb that just goes on in the background. You don't get the benefit of what Dean refers to sometimes as the horoscope effect. If you open the newspaper to a page of horoscopes, your eyes are naturally drawn to whatever your star sign is first. You, you can't help do it because the the triggers are in there. Your eyes are pattern matching; they're drawn to the words that you recognise. The same with picking the single target market if you're trying to answer a question. So, Jim, is it okay, to use you as an example of the spouse book. Sure. Yeah, perfect. So just to put some context for people, so we're the latest book that we're working with Jim on is Bring Your Spouse Here. It's their immigration specific book. So anyone that's out there and they're just seeing broadcast ads in the background for lawyers, going to get no recognition coming up at all. Anyone going through and in the background they're seeing issues, uh, seeing adverts with immigration lawyers, so that might trigger something, but it's not going to be as triggering as specifically seeing a book title that is Bring Your Spouse Here, if that person is looking at bringing their spouse there, because you get that specific link to the question that they're asking. And the solution that's being presented on the page. So, a lot of the first steps that we go through, and that people should really consider in trying to get this written, is single target market. Be as specific as possible, and really then that helps dial people in as they're as they're out there seeing ads pass by in the background, seeing email that you're sending to them about a particular subject. Dialing it in to be as specific as possible is a one of the best things that you can do to make the targeting of the audience more specific, make their advertising campaign more specific, make it more likely that someone's going to raise their hand as interesting because it's it's pushing their buttons, it's resonating with them. And from the creation point of view, much easier for you to create something that's specifically looking at the spouse elements of, of immigration law versus all of the other things which are related but not directly connected.
2: We're talking today with Stuart Bell of 90-Minute Books, and Stuart's explaining the process to us. Stuart, um, most of our listeners, as you know, are lawyers, and lawyers fancy themselves to be very busy. After the 90 minutes, (laughs) the 30-minute outlining call and the 60-minute recording, what other work do the lawyers or your authors have to do in order to bring the book to fruition?
1: Yeah, so that's a great question. I think this is really one of the benefits of finding a done-for-you service where someone else can do it. So the other steps in the process, if you were looking at doing it yourself, would be all of the production steps. So internally within the organization here, you kind of pass from the content stage, which is those stages we've just talked about, into then the production stage. And really the production piece should be pretty invisible to to use the customer. Ideally, now everything is taken out of your hands and it's, it's getting completed. So some of the things that are going on in the background, as I mentioned, the, the aim of the 60-minute call is to capture the content. That conversation we record as if it's a podcast, so as if we're doing something live to tape. So bring your A-game to that call, record the content as if you were talking in a room to your ideal prospect your ideal potential customer that's then recorded we take that away and get it transcribed and then there's the editing process that needs to go through and the layout process to get it all in the correct format there's a lot of or there's a number of technical steps to that which it's not so much that it's rocket science but it's that it takes time and if you're trying to do this on top of whatever else you're doing it's a decreasing likelihood that you'll actually get it finished so the only other step that you need to be involved in is the cover design. So the cover is one of the more important pieces because the cover is the thing that's eye-catching. So we'll say to people, and again, this will come up in the 30-minute call, but we'll say to people, the most important part of the book isn't the content. It's the title, because it's the title that gets someone to raise their hand as interested. At that point, they haven't even seen what the content is. So the title is the most important thing. That's where we spend a lot of the focus. The cover then is the eye-catching thing. So once you've had the 30-minute call and the 60-minute call, all of the content's done. For anyone working with us, you'll then work with our designers. And our designers now have done over 300 covers for people. And if uh, people visit the website, we've got a gallery of covers. So head over to 90minutebooks.com forward slash gallery, and then you can just see all of the covers that we've created in the past. And you can see there the purpose is that it's, Eye catching and on message and relevant to the customer that you want to engage with. So, if you're working with us internally, our designers pretty much have got you. We've got some onboarding questionnaires that will ask about brand colors and themes, and then they'll go away and create a couple of examples and then dial it in from there. If you think about doing it by yourself, there's a couple of external services that you could use, um, which I find that obviously you're then sacrificing time because you need to follow up with these people and it's more. Turns into a project management job, but the main thing about the cover is that it needs to be engaging. So, where you're going to use this cover? It's not so much that it's going to be on a bookshelf and you're competing with other books, but it's more likely that it's going to be on a social media feed. So it will be streaming past in the in the posts that are coming up as you're promoting your book to targeted audiences. So, a cover that stands out, not too busy. Um, Has some sort of visual element that amplifies the title, those are all some great tips for people as they're thinking about cover design. And as I said, that's a real benefit of working with people who have have done it before because they've got the, uh, the expertise and the knowledge of having done this over 300 times now. So it just streamlines the whole process. But the production stages, the stitching that all together, getting it to a place where it can be produced and printed, all of that is... Stuff that, as I say, it's not so much that it's rocket science. It's not so much that it's difficult, but it's just legwork and it's time-consuming and it's it's easy to make mistakes. It's like the um, again going back to the immigration example. It's not that someone can't uh, fill in and submit an N-400, but if they do, it's um, it's far easier to work with someone who's done it a, a good number of times before because the outcome is likely to be more successful and take less, far less time. <laughs>
3: But I got a couple of questions about just the recording process. So is this something where it's a and a session where you're asking questions based on the outline, or how does that work?
1: Uh, so what we try and do is get people to think about it as just like a podcast. That's the language that we tend to use with people or a radio interview if possible some people still don't know what podcasts are so think about it as a radio interview or a ted talk or something like that this is the opportunity to get your best thinking captured in a way that makes sense so the more time and effort people can put into the outline and being prepared for the call the better the outcome what we do in the 30 minute setup. up And there's actually on top of the, um, so the 30 minutes is is the part that you're talking to whoever's onboarding you. More likely um, going to be a girl called Susan who's, who's onboarded the majority of the people that we've worked with so far. So Susan's great at, you'll come on the call, you've probably got an idea of what you want to talk about, but maybe not dialed in specific enough. And the outcome at the end of the 30 minute or the 30 minute process, not specifically the 30 minute call, but the end of that process before you record is that you'll end up with a, chapter outline structure that moves people from the title of the book to the back cover copy which just in case i don't get to that we should definitely talk about that before before the end so the aim that you're trying to do is you've got people's attention with a title that answers a question that they're thinking about so for example we were talking about bring your spouse here the Book that we're doing with Jim, some of the other legal ones I was just looking through, That's some of the examples, but Protect Your IRA, What to Do at 62, The 27 Guide to Pennsylvania Social Security, The North Carolina LGBT Legal Guide, these titles that capture the attention of the audience, giving the promise of answering a the question that they're asking about, and then a the back cover copy that gives them a, a next step. The chapters then are really about. What's that journey? How do you get from the question on the front cover to the call to action on the back? The chapter structure is the main thing. So the reason that we record one-on-one with a person, giving them the, the, the model of it being a podcast, is that it's far easier to talk to someone to talk about the subject when there's someone at the other end of the phone. Even if that person is only stepping in every now and then to say, that's great, so what about the next part of the, the the next chapter in the outline. It's far usually far easier for people to talk when there's a human at the other end. As opposed to the other alternative would just be to record locally at home when when no one else was listening. Positioning it as a podcast recording, as a live recording, really helps people move forward And this whole process, I mean, the alternative of of the 90-minute book process is, is months and months' worth of work to get all of this captured, because you don't have any constraints around it. So there's nothing, unless you go to a professional publishing company and there's an editor there sort of jumping on you saying, I need this back by next Tuesday, there's nothing constraining you. So positioning it as a live recording We've got 60 minutes to move through this content. You've got the opportunity to put your best thinking around the subject, get that recorded, far, far more productive and far, far more likely that it will actually get done rather than saying to people, okay, well, we've worked on an outline, now go away and in your own time record it because people get into this analysis paralysis or um, there's like a, a perfectionism that comes into it. So it needs to be recorded perfectly or just as I say the mechanism of talking into a a dead mic unless you're a professional recording artist it's very difficult to um the energy is just completely different so there's a lot of benefits about recording it live with someone there at the time to really keep the process moving forward and the job of work of the person on the other end is really just to keep the conversation going so if people start running too long and it looks like the whole thing's going to run Sometimes people can get themselves into a conversational hole where it's difficult to step out of. So the person that's doing the interviewing can step in and, and move that forward. If people are running short, if they um, occasionally you get people where they ask the first question on the outline and then they run off into answer everything that's it's kind of brain dumped all out in 10 minutes. So the person doing the interview can kind of control that flow and really help you stick to the chapter outline to make sure that you've given each of the chapters the, the right amount of time, the right amount of detail. And also, if any of them do run light, then Susan's done 300 plus of these now, so she's very good at being able to, um, well, I, I mean, not just Susan, but all of the interviewers, are very good at being able to step in and ask ancillary or, or additional questions if a subject needs fleshing out a little bit.
2: Stuart, we are running up against our deadline. I did want to ask you one other question before we get to your suggestion and our hacks and tips. And that is talk a little bit to our listeners about the concept of cheese and whiskers and how the book sort of plays into the, that concept of more cheese and less whiskers.
1: Yeah, and this is such a a fantastic um, model in which to think about it. So one of the things I'll, I'll at the end I'll give uh, give the listeners a, a URL to go to and download some additional stuff because it's so difficult to. There's so many aspects of this that are kind of broader than what we've had a chance to talk about today. So there'll be some more breadth to the, to the subjects on the link that I'll give. But that concept of cheese versus whiskers. So it's talking about a mouse, primary directive of a mouse is to go find cheese. So primary directive of a customer to go find the answer to something, the solution to something. But as soon as a mouse senses whiskers, as soon as it starts getting salesy or there's the risk of something else happening, then their first instinct is to run away and then potentially come back because it's a survival the mechanism. And you see the same with customers. As soon as it switches from, here's someone providing an answer to something to, oh no, this is just sales copy. Um, so very often you'll see it again in the, in, in the lawyer advertising world. And we get the same on the real estate side is... I would imagine 70% of the images out there for lawyers trying to engage with customers is a banner headline and then a picture of a guy in a suit sat in front of a bookcase and it all looking very official. So there's the concern then in the the customer's mind that if the only answer that I'm going to get is I need to phone this guy or come into the office, then the worry is I'm going to go into the office the door's going to lock behind me and I'm not going to be able to get out until I've signed this piece of paper. The job of work of what we're trying to do with the books is to identify those invisible leads, identify who those customers might be. So giving people the opportunity to raise their hand for you to identify who they are in a way that's purely cheese, that's purely providing them something that they want. A book is one of the most fantastic mechanisms for doing that because you can position it entirely answering rather their question. You've still done the job of work of capturing the lead, but you're not trying to convince someone of anything. You're just giving information in a way that sets up a great relationship with them, provides valuable information for them. You've then captured that lead. You know who that person is. So then you can start to educate and motivate them over time. You can provide additional information that guides them towards that call to action, that easy next step for them to take. So that separation between cheese, which is all about giving, and whiskers, which is, okay, there's a bit of a salesy type message coming in here, which it might um, deter some people or scare some people away. The job of work of this exercise, the job of work of the book is to make invisible prospects visible, get them to raise their hand so you know who they are. You can start the relationship off in a in a way that just stands value. You've captured their details, and then you can start to motivate and educate them towards what the next obvious or logical next step is for them.
3: Stuart and Jim, I know that we're we're running long, but I you did mention something on the pre-call interview about possibly telling the listeners how they can maybe do the 90-minute book themselves. Could you talk a little bit about that? Because I want to make sure we get that out there so people can, if they want to do it themselves, they can. I know. We'd like for them to use you because you'll do a really great job. But if they wanted to do it themselves, how could they do that?
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think this is always challenge of a challenge of a call. It's very difficult to get all of the information across. So what I'm going to suggest people do is if listening to this, if it sounds interesting, head to 90minutebooks.com forward slash ML from Maximum Lawyer. And what I'll do there is put up a whole load of additional information around the structure that we use to outline things, some of the tricks and tips that we've got for capturing something in the way that we actually use in the 90-minute book process but if you prefer to do it yourself or you've got time to do it yourself then you can just use this outline to really capture the best message, capture in the best way, not get sidetracked on things that are less important. And then a couple of additional resources to tools that are out there just to help the process. So tools to get transcriptions done and ways that you can get or places you can get covers designed and all that type of thing. So if people do want the the do-it-yourself type option, head over to nightminutebooks.com forward slash ML, and then I'll put a whole load of resources up there for people to, to grab and move forward with.
2: George, sure, that's okay. tremendous. I think that everyone's going to get a lot out of this call. I think that um, just as a testimonial, uh, we are finishing up my second 90-minute book. And I think one of the reasons that the process works is that it is so seamless. And it's not, it's not terribly expensive. It's, it's what I would call, you know, what, what it cost me to do one case, even less than what, what I earn on one case. So I think that the, the landing page with the, the book is something that's very attractive to people. It's a really low entry to bar- a low barrier to entry. They can download the book for free. And this isn't like I'm we're writing these books to make money, we're doing it as a lead magnet to try to get people to raise their hand so that we can then market to them. Um, for me, too, one of the great benefits of the book is that I say the same thing over and over and over in a lot of my consults. And now, when I send people the book, I don't have to uh, say those things over and over, I can just sort of point them. To the right in the right direction, and and then they can either decide to move ahead or not. And so it's just another step, another piece in the puzzle. But it's been it's been great to work with um, the people at Ninety Minute Books. Susan is great uh, as an interviewer, and and I think the whole team sort of chimes in when it's time to pick the book cover. So I think you you could totally do it yourself. But I think that the back end of of the actual production, getting the book onto the Kindle, getting the book um, published, those kinds of things. I tried to do a book myself on CreateSpace, and it's, it's it's not impossible, but it's pretty difficult, and we've got plenty of other things to do. So I I can't tell everyone how happy I've been with 90-minute books, and, and I think it's just been great for, for my practice and for my clients.
1: Oh, Thanks, i That's always good to hear. You know that example you gave there, if it's not rocket science, you can do it yourself. I always compare it to I imported a sports car from Japan to the UK about 15 years ago, and that process must have taken... I mean, the best part of nine months, maybe, had to go back for the testing several times because I'd missed a little thing here and missed a little thing there. At the end of the process, I mean, I knew what I was doing, but I never imported another car. So I, I probably, for the nine months worth of effort that it took, again, not that any of it was rocket science, but if I could have paid someone a couple of thousand dollars to, to do it for me, that would have been, <laughs> in the greater scheme of things, that would have been a far better way of uh, of spending time. So
3: All right, so let's wrap things up. Um, I do want to remind everyone before we get to our tips and our hacks to make sure you like us on Facebook. Join our Facebook group. Also, give us a five-star review if you like what you hear here on iTunes or wherever you get
2: your podcast.
3: Jimmy, what is your hack of the week?
2: All right, so… I have been spending a ton of time listening to Gary Vaynerchuk again. I'm I'm sort of fired up in the Gary V world. He has changed up his podcast, and I just want to give a, another shout out. I know I've given a shout out about Gary on many of these uh, podcasts. He's now calling it the Gary V Audio Experience, and it's it's seven days a week. It's various audio clips. I find Gary to be very motivational, and the stuff that he says do make a lot of sense. I really like his ideas about and just what Stuart was talking about, sort of helping first and looking for stuff on your end for, for people to pay you back on the back that, you know, you sort of give uh, without expecting a return every single time. And, and my experience with Stuart over the last two years has been nothing but that. He's been very helpful to me, asking nothing in return. And, and I just think that those lessons from people like Gary and Stuart just are, are good for us as lawyers to, to understand is that, yeah, you might not always get a one-for-one trade-off, but if you sort of take that Bob Berg, go-giver mentality that we talk about a lot on the show, that eventually it all comes back.
3: That's a good one. And, you know, you're speaking directly to my heart because you, t- you talk about the go-giver. You know, I love the go-giver. The go-giver is fantastic. But uh, before I get to my tip of the week, uh, Stuart, you have one for us?
1: Yeah, I was looking back, um, I'm not sure if you guys have done a show talking about Zapier specifically in the past, but I'm guessing that having talked to Jim, it's come up. I wanted to add to that and add in, there's a tool for the Mac called Hazel, which I'm not sure if people have come across, but anyone looking at adding some of that automation to to kind of leverage what they're doing. Hazel is a great tool that operates on the desktop level and moves files around and, and renames things. That ties in quite nicely with zappy then. So as an example, the way we use it in the 90-minute book process is we have a lot of files coming in from various different sources, and then a lot of activities done with those files. Doing all of that manually is uh, is time consuming, but also kind of variation comes into it. So we use Hazel to physically move files around from one location to another, and the places that the files end up are then typically Zapier folders, waiting for or Dropbox folders, waiting to do something in Zapier. So Hazel, by a company called NoodleSoft, is a, is a great tool for physically doing something on the desktop that can add into some of the automation that you might have running via Zapier. I've
3: never heard of Hazel, but I'm going to have to check it out. This, I, I love automation. Everybody listening listens to the show knows that we love automation, so that's great. My tip of the week has to do with outsourcing slash delegation. So I think William Edie asked a question on the Facebook group about uh, really delegating, automating, eliminating, uh, things like that on uh, just about criminal defense. This one's about really about personal injury, but it can really – in any practice area, you can pick something that you do. And outsource it, but this one is: we've been outsourcing our medical record summaries lately, and I've gotten really great results. And really, what I did is I went to Upwork.com. I've talked about Upwork.com several times on the podcast. It was Jimmy. And what I did is I, I, I put a, a just a small, simple job posting saying that I'm looking for someone to do medical summaries for me. I got a ton of applicants, and then I gave top two that I found. I gave them each a set of medical records to give me summaries on and chronologies on and got them back within a day. They're really good, really good results. And it cost me a, a fraction of what I pay our nurse to do. So, so we have a legal nurse that we, we send our records to, and it costs me a fortune every time I do it. This costs me a fraction of that to do. And they're, and they're really, really good. I'm sure if you pick the wrong person, you can get some really crummy summaries, but these are really, really good summaries. It's not something that um, is low quality. It's actually really high quality stuff. So, if you and I, I know a lot of the listeners are personal injury attorneys. So, if you want medical summaries done, Upwork has a lot of lot of options for you. So,
1: I was just going to add another quick tip for Upwork. So, people sometimes run into the problem that there's so many people responding to ads. So, a great little tip for looking for people on Upwork is whatever the actual request is, so the medical summaries request that you talked about there, add in there a criteria that says when you're responding to this post. Also add in what is your, tell me what your favorite movie is or favorite flavor of ice cream. Just something that's very easy for people to answer. But what you can then do is when you get the results, uh, the, the submissions back in, filter by people who have actually answered that question. And if they haven't answered that question, disregard those straight away. It's just a nice quick, easy tip of, of filtering 100 responses into the 20 people who actually can, can follow instructions. Um, so we found that helpful in the past.
3: That is such a great tip because you do get a bunch of applicants, and a lot of them are just copying and pasting. They're not really reading what the job posting is. So that's a great, great tip for filtering, Stuart. Thank you very much for that. All right. A great episode. Anything else you all want to add? Nope. Fantastic. Well, I could do, this. <laughs> <laughs> well, Stuart, thank you so much for coming on this episode. You're a fantastic guest. And everyone go to 90minutebooks.com slash ML. Which uh, thank you very much for uh, doing that for us, Stewart. Put a bunch of research on the website there. So um, thank you, everyone, and uh, check us out on Facebook and like us on iTunes. Thank you. Have a great week.
2: Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer podcast. Maximum Lawyer podcast. to Stay in contact with your hosts, and to access more content, more content. go to MaximumLawyer.com. maximumlawyer.com. Have a great week, and catch you next time.